It's a Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. We have an illustrious guest with us. Her name is Barbara Hausman, and she's a well-known, highly respected voice, text, and acting coach. With 30 years' experience, she's worked in the voice departments of the Royal Shakespearean Company and Young Vic, and one-to-one with many well-known actors as well, Daniel Radcliffe and Kenneth Branagh. And uh, she's been directing professionally in her own right. She's the author of a book, Tackling Text and Subtext, a step-by-step guide for actors. And she joins us. Welcome. I'm pleased to be with you. Thank you for having me. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. All the way from London, is that right? Indeed it is. <laughs> well, you're quite well known, and so we're going to learn a lot about you and your life's work. And if, if I have this correct, okay, you were almost, were you not a prodigy? Where it, and from a very young age, uh, someone recommended that you become a voice coach. How did, can you tell us how that started? Yeah, I don't know that I was a prodigy, but um, my mother met a lady on a train when I was three. <laughs> and uh, uh, this lady was an elocution teacher, as they used to call them in those days. And my mother and father were both very shy, and I think it's fair to say fairly socially inept. And my mother... Um, was very, very keen on education and very keen that I should be more confident. And she got talking to this lady and um, took her number. And then when I was five, she knocked on her door and persuaded her to take me because she didn't usually take people that young. And I worked with this lady, Rita Mullaney, until I was 19 and went to drama school. And when I was eight, um, Mrs. Mullaney, as I used to call her, uh, said to me, I think you should be a voice teacher. And I sort of went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did that happen though? How does that happen all of a sudden? I mean, she certainly got it right, but what did she see in you? 
I don't know. I think she thought I couldn't act very well, which I certainly couldn't <laughs> at that point. I could now, but then not so well. I don't know. I think there's teaching genes in in my family. My mother, although you know she suffered from a lot of confidence problems and never really worked, was a brilliant teacher. She could teach any child to read. Um, my father, although he was a quantity surveyor by trade, also lectured in the evening and, and, at an evening college and was really good and, and really helped me um, teach. And my, both my nieces, who are in their early 20s, have suddenly decided that they probably both want to be teachers. So I think there was just something there genetically. I, I never actually spoke um, to Miss um, Malini about why, she, I, weirdly, even years later after my book came out, and she was still alive when my first book was published, so I was able to send it to her. But um, I never really actually said to her <laughs> why. I, 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 I'm now sitting here thinking, why did you not ask her, Barbara? But I didn't. <laughs> well, she certainly got it right. I mean, we talked about the Daniel Radcliffe and Kenneth Branagh and also Jude Law and yeah. hundreds other ones. I mean, and if you don't mind me asking, which are more difficult, the actors or the, or the stage actors, the film actors? Uh, it's no different. I mean, with Jude and Dan, um, I've worked with them on both film and stage, so we've worked across the board. Um, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I don't really go on a film set. I'm not one of those acting coaches that sits on film sets. Dan and Jude go off on their own. We do all the work um, before uh, the shoot even starts, any work that we're going to do, with the full knowledge of the director, of course. Um, Whereas on 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 theatre shows, I'm around in rehearsals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but but for me, they aren't they aren't different. I, I'm sure there are difficult actors around. I have worked with a few difficult actors, but mostly I've been blessed with with amazing actors to work with, and and they are they are wonderful people to work with because they, on the whole, very trusting and they are willing to take risks. So, Barbara, let's talk about your life's work because, um, you know, how do you wake up every day? You do this as far as helping people find their voice. I mean, it's a beautiful book, what you've written. Again, Tackling Text and Subtext, a step-by-step guide for actors, Barbara Hausman. Uh, I've seen a lot of books. Okay, this is very, I mean, very thorough. This is the, you, when, the minute you open up a book like this, you know that you've got to dive in and really commit. And uh, what do people say about your book and how has it helped other people? Well, I think the thing that pleases me most that people say about both the books that, that, that they're um, that they're accessible, and I think that's what I wanted. I wanted to write a book um, that people could pick up and really use. There are a lot of fantastic books out there, but some of them people needed a bridge to those other books, you know. So I suppose I tried to write a book that that I felt I would have liked to be out there and. And that was accessible because that's my passion in life to make things accessible for everybody or for as many people as possible. And mentioning your other book, Finding Your Voice, a step-by-step guide for actors. Again, Barbara Houseman. And so, uh, all right, tell us about your your work. I mean, when you're, I mean, you've been <laughs> illustrious company, again, Royal Shakespeare Company and Young Vic. And uh, you set a very high standard and a high bar. Do you expect that from others? Yes, but um, I, I, I think I always try to be very kind because I know I don't flourish under criticism myself. And uh, you know, uh, some people do. Some people 
flourish from being criticized and shouted at? I don't. So it's not a way I choose to work. And there is some research, especially latterly, that um, people are more creative when they feel safe. Um, they, they found recently that when, when, when we're in a more of a, a soothing contentment system, rather than threat avoidance or pursuit achievement, that when we're in this soothing contentment state, we are more likely to be creative. So um, I like, I'm, I'm rigorous, but I'm kind. So, and I always like to work with solutions. I don't like to point out problems. So I won't say to people, you know, I won't necessarily, I say, I don't believe that. I might say, you know, I don't think, I think you can trust yourself and you don't need to show us so much. Or I might say, focus more on the person that you're talking to. So trying to be very um, positive and thinking of solutions rather than problems. Behind all this, as far as your gift, is there a built-in truth detector? I mean, do you not, you have to be real when you're on stage. You have to be real in film and getting the voice just right because in, unless it's something that's um, the real emotion that you would expect, it can't translate to another person, if you will. Um, would you say that's part of your gift is being able to have that kind of truth detector to know if it's a, a real emotion that's coming across? I mean, I think in a way we're all truth direct. Uh, detectors because I think we can all tell <laughs> you know we know when somebody's telling the truth we know when they're lying you know when somebody says to you it's really lovely to see you when they mean it <laughs> we say that all the time <laughs> yeah you know so I think I think one of the things I spend a lot of time convincing actors is that people can read what's going on inside other people you know I say to people when the actors are worried that the audience won't get it I say to them well if you're at a bus stop or you're in a you're in a restaurant or you're in a bar or wherever, and can you and you look over at a couple in the corner, can you tell the state of their relationship? Even if you can't hear what they're talking about, well, yeah, usually. And I think, well, you know, give your audience some credit. They're very good people readers, because that's how we survive, you know. <laughs> we we work out who's friendly, who's not friendly, who we can trust, who we can't. So we're very good at reading people. So I think actually audiences are on the whole are very good at uh, at reading truthfulness but there's also a question of taste because some people like something that's a bit showier on stage whereas some people like a more understated truth on, on stage or screen i i prefer a more understated truth i was going to say um, us americans here i think we like the gaudy stuff i don't know <laughs> i don't know no, i don't know i mean the whole you know the whole method you know tradition from stanislavski that came in through lee strasberg etc into the states is very much about it being real, you know, um, and and you, you know that maybe leads to sort of a more naturalistic way of talking and perhaps less, uh, I don't know, that sometimes stage actors are, uh, it's said on film, you know, that it's too big or it's too grand, it's not casual enough. Um, so I, I think it depends. I think I think probably in all countries we can do all ends of the spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I imagine you have to be able to pick up on the person right away. Does it take a while for the students or the person you're working with, whether it be, uh, again, uh, Daniel Radcliffe or someone of that uh, stature? Can you pick up on them right away? Or does it take you a while to, to, you know, figure them out? I think it depends. Um, but it, it, it's always a journey. Um, it's a partnership between you and the the, the, the actor or also, you know, so work with non-actors, but it's a partnership between, you know, I say to them, I have tools for voice and acting. 
and you're the expert on you and what's going on inside you. So I suppose you work together as detectives to, to, to work things out. Some things, I think nowadays I pick up very quickly. I have a new group of American students, students actually, that I've just started working with. Uh, they're from the University of Connecticut and they come over to London in their junior year. And I worked with them for, I worked with them for a week earlier in the year, but you know, otherwise they're relatively new, but they were doing pieces today. And there are some things where you think, yeah, yes, I can see that they're, um, they're what they're thinking about what they're saying or, you know, they're not trusting themselves quite enough. So some things you pick up quickly. What sometimes takes a little bit longer is to find how to get people to trust themselves or how to get them to produce something more than once or how they can produce it without you there and working with them on it. Well, that's a very good point. And what I meant by the truth detector too, it's the, the actors themselves that, you know, they have to be honest with them. And sometimes I think this process of working with someone like yourself, an acting coach, a, a voice coach, and your book, they can come from a more truthful place, I'm sure, because yeah. we all think we're, we do a great job, I'm sure. And then, you know, you do the playback and you say, wait a minute, that, that didn't seem so, you know, so in a nutshell, wow, tough question. How does your book do that? How does it get people to be better? Ooh, okay. Well, um, well, I suppose I tried to write down the exercises that I would do with somebody face to face. So I suppose I try in, in the book to explain the background of an exercise about why we're working on something and what's important about that and to break things down into elements and layers. So they're just working on one thing at a time. And then I would give the exercise, uh, you know, and, and, and what they needed to, to look out for. So it's, it, it's trying to, not do mystery tours really so that people really understand why they're doing something and what it's trying to achieve and what the steps are um, and understanding how to uh, deal with difficulty or challenge and not get frustrated really. You know, they have some diets where, you know, you uh, don't eat bread or something like that. And, you know, you stop eating that. Well, I, I had um, a withdrawal from reading your book with the vowels and some right. of the exercises. Because I thought, oh my goodness, you know, here are exercises. It's about connecting with the vowels. So, you know, to, you say that, you know, it gives rhyme or rhythm and music, but to try doing it and speaking in a sentence without the vowels, and then you become you know, thirsty for those vowels. Uh, that's an interesting, that's a very disciplined type of activity there. Yeah, that's a really hard exercise. I, I, I really salute you for trying that because it's one of the ones <laughs> that um, I often say to the actors, you know, you might just need to do it with me. And I, it took a long time to put it in the book. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the vowels carry emotion. You know, if I say to you, I or ooh, a, you, you may not know what I'm saying, but you know, I'm, probably not happy. Whereas if I take the consonants and go, you might be able to work out that I'm saying I've got toothache, but it's very hard for me with the consonants to feel or express um, the emotion. I almost um, thought you were saying something else for a minute. In the playback, you'll hear that. <laughs> yeah. Well, never mind. But now, I mean, it, it, but that's interesting, though, because uh, it has to have a, a musical flow. 
doesn't it? I mean, in order for it to to carry with the, on the film or you know on the in the theater, and uh, you seem to see that uh, you know language is a, a beautiful thing, a rhythmic thing. And and what other things do you you know from I guess a spiritual sense do you see about the voice of uh, and what makes it so unique in each individual? Well, um, one because each individual is um, physically slightly different. I'm, I'm assuming I'm not a scientist, but, you know, we're all unique, um, despite a great many things that we may share as a, as a human race. Um, and we're all psychologically um, unique. Um, again, although we may share many tendencies as humans. So our voice is how we communicate from the inside to the outside. Of course, I need to say at this point, unless um, we're mute or we were deaf and have chosen to, to use sign language rather than speak. So I don't, I don't want to discount people who are voices sign language because that's another kind of voice. But um, our voice is how we communicate what is inside us to what is outside. And when our voice is connected, which it is for the first five years of our life, and then we might lose the connection, but we can mm -hmm. find it again. As we speak, um, our, our resonance is, is, is touching inside our whole body. So I think there's something very um, deeply connected about our voices when, it, when they're free. I mean, that's why for me, finding your voice was the title, because it, it was something I was trying to do, find my own voice technically but also um, in terms of what I wanted to say in the world um, and learn how to be less strident and more comfortable myself. And I wanted that for other people, that people could find their voice so that they owned the truth of their voice physically, but also the content of what they were saying. And they say today with, uh, forgive me, Facebook or social media, you know, all that, it's, it's even harder to find your voice because, you know, we're so embedded in uh, kind of like a passive communication or, uh, I mean, what about for you as far as communication? Has it changed with the use of social media as far as, you know, little bits and pieces? I mean, I mean you really had to learn to enunciate back in, in the day, if you will, and learn how to communicate. Has it suffered or are we better communicators today? you know, it's really, really hard for me to say one way or another. I, I know that sometimes I think young people have, have, have possibly not read as much literature as maybe, you know, we were encouraged to do when we were younger. But their knowledge of what's going on in the world is much greater than mine was. And I don't, I don't know whether I find... I mean, most of the actors I work with really want to be clear and all they're doing is trying to find a way to be clear that feels real. And one of the things I say to people is, you know, articulation is not about correctness or tension. If you really want somebody to understand what you're saying, if you really want to communicate somebody, with somebody, you will be clear. Well, that's true. <laughs> so actually it's about wanting to communicate. When we want to communicate and something's really important to us, we'll find a way. And, you know, the mumbling that goes on or the, you know, you know, we sometimes mumble when we're not so sure or we don't, we want to sit on the fence a bit or we want to be a bit cool or, you know. Um, so I think communication, human beings, when they want to communicate, 
will use what they need to use on the whole, you know. And you have a totally different spectrum. I'm sure that you draw it all together, but I mean, Royal Shakespeare, okay, yeah. putting on Shakespeare versus a film, I mean, different type of communication. It's still all under that umbrella, but uh, I'm, I imagine Shakespeare wanted it really clear, you know, and uh, on stage, I think, dramatic. I don't, I don't think we have any idea, actually, what Shakespeare wanted, but what I would say is that... Um, Although we, we, Shakespeare's famous for his language, actually, I don't think he would have lasted on his language alone, um, because mm. although it is, he's psychologically so spot on accurate about human beings. So in that respect, it's no different from a film. Also, he, his language is amazing. I mean, he's psychologically very accurate about how people speak. Um... Once we, you know, I went with, with, with young actors, once they, once they realized, oh my gosh, this is real stuff. It may be about Kings and Queens, but I can transpose it into situations, emotional situations. I understand. And he's just very eloquent about things I feel. And if I really connect with the language, so it doesn't need a grandness so much as, um, a real connection with, with, with the words which then kind of fly you. And, you, you know, Shakespeare can be done as well on screen as it can be done on stage. Mm -hmm. it, it's investment in the language. Um, and then really, John Gielgud years ago said, style is knowing what play you're in, which you go, great. And, mm, uh, but I think what he meant was, if you really, really connect with the language in any play or film, you will be stylistically correct because you've taken on the behavior of the text, because text, in a way, is behavior. Interesting. I think my favorite line of John Gilgood was in Arthur, when he said to the dad, if you and your undershirt would move back a few paces. <laughs> into this dwelling. <laughs> I remember that. But, you know, I thought of you when I, when I think of the, uh, the King's speech, that famous yes. line that uh, I have a voice, you know, and uh, I, I thought of you because I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the desperate desire to be heard and maybe it's underneath every actor to be heard, but uh, it, it was a, just a powerful moment. Uh, how did you feel about that moment in that movie? I, I thought it, I thought it was a great movie. I thought, I, I mean, I'm a great fan of Colin Firth and, and um, Jeffrey Rush. And, I think what was interesting about it was just seeing the difficulty for somebody that somebody can be in when they can't speak fluently and when they either want to or need to. Um, and the struggle, but also that, that with the right person, they can find the way through almost, you know, I think anyone can. And I think it's not just actors. I think most people um, need to be able to express themselves. You know, some people may be more shy and might want to do it more privately or, 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 or you know, only in certain situations. But I think finding your voice, both spoken and maybe written, is, uh, and just to, just, to, just to, yeah, be able to say the things you want to say in the world. <laughs> no. I Barbara, had a, Barbara, you are that coach, though. You are that person that was in that movie, you know? Oh. <laughs> you, you, are, you are, it gets very intimate and you connect yes. with a lot of these, you know, famous actors as well as, you know, up and coming and every, but 
I just thought you are that person to, to you have to dig really deep and almost be a psychologist to get to the bottom of, of what makes a person, you know, feel their voice and, and to be yes. able to express that. Yes. And, but, but you work very much in partnership with the person. I have a, a client. She, she's an actress, actually American, American, or she lives over here. She has um, very bad cerebral palsy. And when she first came, um, she felt that there wasn't clarity and also that people panicked and often thought they could hear her even less well than they could. And she has, she's written and performed in her own plays. She's done a TED talk. Um, but she was determined and she practiced. So we together got her to a place where she could be heard. Is it just as important the need for the audience to connect, you know, with the whole ensemble, the play, as it is for the actors? Oh, yes. I mean, we're doing the play for the actors. You know, I mean, when I was young and naive, I used to just be up to us to feel. I now go, well, it would be nice if you felt, but if the audience don't feel it, it's really irrelevant. I remember what, once watching a, a Greek play in the theatre and everybody on stage was crying and the audiences were looking at their watch. And it's like, no, that's not the right way around. So, yes, we, we, we act for the audience. Um, it's not therapy. Um, it's, it's telling a story to move an audience. Yes. And the audience needs to, you know, they're there to grow and, and to feel. Because honestly, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where you come in once again. In, in the world that we live in, there's a lot of repression and it could be difficult. Everyone has different life circumstances and issues. But, you know, we go to film and theater to, to feel something. Yes, we do. And I think, you know, stories are at the heart of human culture. They always have been. And, you know, it's through stories that we make sense of things. It's through stories that we also understand about the other. You know, one thing that art can do, and especially theatre, is increase our um, tolerance and understanding. Suddenly we go, oh my goodness, I never saw it like that. Um, and it's one of the reasons why what's so fascinating about being an actor is that you have to suspend judgment on the character. So even if you're playing somebody who's heinous in their actions, you have to, you, you have to put that aside and, 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 and try and understand where that person's coming from, not to be apologistic, you know, make an apology for them, but, but you have to understand. Um, and, you know, I think the great thing about theatre is it, it can help us understand, you know, people who behave very badly and perhaps see where, you know, we have a potential, we all have a potential for that if we, if we don't, aren't careful and get to know ourselves well, but also understanding perhaps people from different cultures, people that we would be frightened of or that we would judge, understanding our common humanity or understanding our differences in a way of putting ourselves in their shoes. Um, so theatre has, I think, a great deal to do with empathy and compassion. You mentioned in the conclusion of your book, you say to a large extent, we are often not aware of the minutiae of how we think, feel, or behave, this poses a problem for actors when attempting to recreate real thinking, feeling, and behavior and performance. And you say all kinds of weird and not so wonderful results ensue. <laughs> and <Yes>. the solution, <laughs> solution is to accept that you cannot directly and consciously recreate what to do in real life. Yeah. 
you know, and so, and by the way, if you want an audiobook read, I'll, I'm happy to, uh, anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> happy to comply. But, uh, and so, do you have another book in you? I mean, you've written two, uh, you know, that are used in acting schools and all across the world, and including the one we're talking about, Tackling Text and Subtext, a step-by-step guide for actors, Barbara Hausman, acclaimed and highly respected voice, text, and acting coach, 30 years experience. And once again, I should mention, because it's important, you've earned it, voice departments at the Royal Shakespeare Company and Young Vic and one-to-one with many well-known actors, as well as directing professionally and your own right. Now, do you like to, you know, you have a choice? Do you like one over the other, directing versus being an acting coach or voice coach? Uh, oh, that's a difficult one. Um the great thing about being a voice coach is that you don't have so much pressure on you. <laughs> so you can get in a room with an actor and you can work on one speech for an hour um, because you don't have to look after the whole play. And that has been a huge, huge gift to me. Um, actually, I'm coming back to directing, having not done it for quite a while. I've just started an all-female theatre company called Dangerous Space, which came out of somebody saying, yeah, we want a safe space to do dangerous things. Like um it. And I think I'm now for me directing, um, I want to go back to it to see how I can take the, the, the stuff I've learned through being a voice coach about not pressurizing myself, taking more time, etc. I can take that back into directing. But I think directing is more stressful because it's your responsibility. Everything is your responsibility. Whereas as a voice coach, and a text coach, just one thing is my responsibility. Well, this is a very naive question I'm going to ask you, but I, you could break it down in, in its simplest form. But with all your accolades and so forth to get to where you are, but how do you become an expert in this? I mean, you know, how do you become who you have become? Um, actors, really, or the people you're working with, actors and non-actors, because I work across the board. You learn from the people you teach. I think every teacher will tell you that. I mean, when I started out, Yes, um, I'd had really good grounding from my own teacher, Mrs. Malini, uh, which I didn't realize really until into my 30s, just what she'd given me. Um, but the rest is, is just trial and error. You, you work with people, things don't work. You, you, you create an exercise because the actor comes into the room and says something to you like uh, walking the sentence I created because the actors at the RSC were coming into the room going, the director wants me to do the sentence on 14 lines of one breath and I can't, and that's all I'm thinking about. And so you go, oh, yeah, okay, so, and I know I couldn't either. And you start to think, oh, the director, the director wants you not to break up the thought. The actual director actually doesn't care whether you breathe or not, but what is happening when you're breathing, you're breaking up the thought. Whereas in life, we often breathe in the middle of thoughts, but we know we haven't finished. So then I will get them to walk and keep walking to the end of the sentence, breathe when they like, but then they know, oh, I haven't finished what I'm saying yet. So... That's how exercises tend to come about. Like three times through came about because I was working with this actress and I couldn't get her to connect and I was kind of at my wit's end. And I went, (laughs) just try saying each phrase three times. And wow, it worked. And it's been a brilliant exercise that's worked with everyone ever since. So, you know, it comes out of being in the room with people and trying to solve problems and once you've done it for long enough you've got a lot of exercises you know it's so funny it could be maybe even songwriting per se some of the most beautiful songs are are sometimes the simplest in nature as far as conveying maybe uh, i love you or something like that but it's i guess you know the actor who can 
know about the, how can I say this, can know the simple things that make us human and that connect us as human beings, you know? Sometimes I think, I'm sure you see actors try too hard, but just to be able to put a breath in there or to be able to step back or an eye glance, I mean, these are, these are moments that last forever that you see on film or screen. And so it's, it's more than just acting, isn't it? Well, the thing is, I think people think acting is pretending. And in a, I mean, in a way, it is make-believe, but it's the believe part that's important, that you believe it's happening. Going back to what the bit you read about people don't know what they do, actors don't know what they do. We don't know what we do. So the only way you can be real is to really believe it's happening and trust and you know, really um, focus on the other person, the other actor, and respond. So acting is really reacting to, to the situation, to the other person, to the history of the character, so that you come off and you don't know what you've done. There's, there's an apocryphal story about uh, Laurence Olivier when he was doing The Entertainer that he came off one night and he was in a really bad mood, and everyone was like, what's the matter? That was fantastic. And he goes, I don't know what I did. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but, um, but, but this sense that, which is very scary to the actors, that, that really you don't know what you did, which is why it's very difficult in film when the actor says, when the director says, do it again like that. Because the actor's now going, yeah. was what I'll tend to say to an actor is, whatever you were thinking when you started that, <laughs> think that because we'll probably get something similar from you. Um, there's so a lot of repetition. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, in order, it's like giving birth, isn't it? I mean, I don't know. Cause I haven't, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, um, I see what you mean. Giving birth. Um, I mean, to a feeling an emotion. It's like, there's, let me put it to you this way. Okay. You've got to go the whole distance with someone in order to, bring something out and it could be uh, I'm sure a wonderfully a wonderfully exhausting experience and, and rewarding too I think it's mostly rewarding I think you know I I, I mean you know I just I, I love it and being in a room with somebody and just there's something about when you're teaching that I'm in the moment with them and you know there's something about it's not by me but through me it is that feeling of sometimes I don't know where it comes from and you're just sitting very very quietly uh, you know, I, I say to young teachers, stop doing so much and stop trying to take so much responsibility. Something I learned from my shiatsu teacher when I was training to be a shiatsu practitioner was you can only do 50%. Hmm. Stop trying to do more because you take, you dis, disempower other people. And I feel that when you're teaching, I say to the actors, you can't do more than 50%. Let the audience do the other 50%. So I think it, it, it is about a journey together. It's about being a detective, about playing and trying things out. Does that work? Oh, okay. And let's, oh, and, and I've said this, and then you've said that back to me. Oh, that's giving me a hint. Let's try this. So you're just creatively playing the whole time to find out what um, is the work where the actor on the inside, where you on the outside are saying, yes, that works. And the actor on the inside is going, okay, I know what you're talking about. I can I can access that again. Well, you know how they say like a good woman makes a man better and a man, you know, you're, you're doing that. <laughs> you're making people better at, at what they do. And I'm sure you, you probably couldn't imagine doing anything else. Uh, you know, it's from your vantage point, you see people doing 
odd jobs just to become an actor and in every respect. But, uh, you know, you from the very beginning, thanks to that lady, <laughs> you know, uh, that acting co- coach, I believe. And uh, she she spotted something in you and you've done uh, what you love all these years. Yes, it's true. I mean, I I had, like most people, my spell of waitressing in my 20s, (laughs) you know, when I was building things up. But yeah, but but yes, I have. uh, uh, Since then, I've I've been very lucky. The book is very, very thorough. And you are... uh you know, one of the, the pros that you're, I, you know, they say like an actor's actor, you're, you're an acting coach's acting coach. I mean, you're, you're at the top of the game, tackling text and subtext, a step-by-step guide for actors. Barbara Hausman has been our special guest and they, they, you even have a section on troubleshooting, uh, you know, what to do with, uh, it says, I feel very self-conscious and lacking in confidence in rehearsals. What do I do? I've suddenly started feeling extreme nervous, uh, extremely nervous before going on stage. You know, what do I do? And you address all these different, so it's a complete book. Is there anything else you could put in there? And, and do you have another book in you? Uh, well, uh, I think on the back page of the, one of the books, it says that there's a third book called Enabling Actors, but I think it's not going to be a book. Um, I might be going to set up a membership site, um, which again, in the name of access, which will not be expensive so that more people can have access to um, uh, sort of downloads. I, I have um, some downloads, a, a whole masterclass on, um, I think it's what developing your voice might be building the character. So there, there, there's kind of extensions on from the book, which can be downloaded um, via my website. Um, they, they cost money, but I'm also looking at setting up some kind of membership site called Enabling Actors, which will have lots of stuff on it, um, both uh, video and written, that people can access um, because I think that's the way things are are going. And because books, wonderful though they are to write because uh, you learn so much yourself, they also, those two books took 10 years of my life. Yeah, you're sharing the most valuable, you know, experience with everyone with your book. Barbara Houseman, a well-known and highly respected voice, text, and acting coach. And, of course, uh, you know, what an honor it is to speak with you. You've worked with Jude Law, Kenneth Branagh, and Daniel Radcliffe, and and many more. And people can go on your website, right, at barbarahouseman.com. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being on the program. We appreciate uh, you, you sharing, and maybe we'll have you on again. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. 
And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton Stage Rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.